0: I'm Robin Amlo of IBS Intelligence. You're listening to the IBS I Views podcast. With me is Dr. Jack Baldwin, Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of U.S. Payment Software Provider, BHMI. Can we start, Jack, with the current state of the U.S. faster payments landscape? How do you view it?
1: I think that we've lagged other countries in the adoption of faster payment system. Right now, the only faster payment system that operates in the United States is the RTP network, which is owned by the Clearinghouse, which is funded by some of the largest banks operating in North America. And I think the reason why there's been a lag in this country is the difference between banking systems in this country and many other countries. In many other countries, you have a relatively small number of large banks that dominate the banking marketplace in this country, you have a spectrum of banks, ranging from large banks down to small community banks. So, and the interests of those organizations, the large ones ranging to the smaller ones, are not necessarily uh, in alignment. So, I think that there hasn't been the pressure on the US Banking Authority, which is the Federal Reserve, at getting behind a faster payments initiative. I think RTP started, which has been in existence since 2017, really got started because they weren't seeing much energy on the part of the Federal Reserve to get behind a faster payments network, as has been the case in in other countries. So I think in part from frustration, if you will, because, again, RTP is backed by some of the larger players, and they're the ones that really see the value of the faster payments. So the Federal Reserve has been late to the game. They started an effort called FedNow, which is supposed to culminate in a real-time payment system that is analogous or perhaps competitive to RTP, but and that'll be online supposedly in 2023. But I think because of this, there's the use of faster payments in this country has somewhat lagged. There are estimates that certainly with FedNow coming online in 2023, that there, there's talk of an increase by a factor of five in faster payment transactions in the country by 2024. Uh, that remains to be seen. There will certainly be more, and which will be motivated by the advent of FedNow. Whether it will be five times, I'm not sure. What does that
0: all mean for BHMI's business?
1: Well, we operate in the faster payments marketplace among others. I mean, we don't just restrict ourselves to payments that are, quote, faster payments, but that's one of the areas in which we specialize. We sell a suite of back office products called the Concourse Financial Software Suite, and it is tailored to processing real-time payments on the back office side so that the back office can keep up with the, the front end So obviously, the more faster payments that come by, the more need there is for services and software like ours. So, yeah, we're quite pleased to see this.
0: Let me take that a step further, then. So what do you think it means for the structure of the banking marketplace in the U.S.? Because, as you say, there are the big, hairy-fisted gorillas who are amongst the biggest banks in the world. But you also have thousands, literally, of smaller banking institutions in various states.
1: Let me just kind of explain where we fit, because we try to help legacy back offices to get into the real-time payments environment. And to appreciate this. You kind of have to look at the profile of a real-time payment transaction. There are lots of systems that are out there, good systems that allow you with a few clicks on a smartphone or a laptop or whatever to initiate a payment and have it authorized within a matter of seconds. But that's not the end of the payment transaction because it has to go to the back office. And when I say back office, I mean, that's where the funds are actually moved and settlement actually takes place. Until that happens, the payment hasn't really been completed. And the consequences of of that not being completed are that the recipient of the funds can't really use the funds without restriction because the payment hasn't actually resulted in a fund's transfer. And there's also the possibility for the payment to be canceled before it's actually settled. So the payment may actually fail as a consequence. So what we do with our product is to help people who are operating legacy back offices. They say, well, what what's wrong with a legacy back office? Why why can't they deal with this? Because the back office for most legacy systems is where real-time meets batch. Because even though individual transactions are coming into the back office within seconds, typically with most legacy systems, they're batched. They're put into a large file, and that file is processed maybe once or twice a day. And as I noted, until that settlement takes place, the transaction hasn't really been completed. And for operators of big payment systems, this is kind of a disadvantage because you don't have any visibility into the status of the payment system until settlement has taken place. And at which point, you know that positions have been adjusted and you know the true state of the network as a whole. So what our software does, as for legacy back offices, is that we take individual transactions coming from the front end and we process them all the way into completion. There is no batching. We have a continuous processing architecture that we use to make this happen. So the smaller players, the ones that still have legacy back offices that are trying to get into the real-time payments game, we offer a, a path to make that happen.
0: What's happening about the adoption of ISO 20022 in the U.S.?
1: ISO 20022 efforts are probably lagging in this country. The areas of efforts that I'm aware of are any new payment network that is coming online in this day and time is going to be using ISO 20022 because it's a far superior standard for payments. Uh, So, for example, RTP that I mentioned and FedNow, they're both using ISO 20022. Banks that are involved in the SWIFT network are having to adopt ISO 20022 because current SWIFT standards are going to change over to ISO 20022 counterparts. I think uh, it's mandated by late 2022, Europe will have to have switched over to ISO 20022, and I think late 2023, that takes place in the United States. So there are efforts underway for banks that are in the SWIFT network to engage in in development of ISO 20022 standards for payments. The other areas in which I'm generally aware, I know there are study groups talking about transitioning Fedwire and ACH in the United States over to ISO 20022. But as I say, they're just study groups. There is no target date for when that has to happen, if it happens. And I think one of the reasons for this is that one, a lot of banks don't necessarily understand ISO 20022 and the advantages it brings. Others recognize that there are definitely qualitative differences improvements over existing standards primarily ISO 8583 which has been around for 35 plus years but running the cost benefit analysis you know there's a cost of implementing it but you're not aware of if there's sufficient value in doing so and I think part of this is because in the United States that in many cases it's an attitude of well things work okay why bother And part of this is because uh, the U.S. has large domestic market. So the necessity for cross-border payments, say, as there might be in Europe, it's not as great. So if you're not a, a global player, then there's not the requirement. There's not really the market necessity to convert to ISO 20022. And so they haven't. So we're lagging in this country. There is some effort. Certainly among the the bigger players, the global players that are undertaking efforts, but otherwise the, the motivation that there might be in other areas of the world is just not as present in this country.
0: How's that going to affect people doing business going forward, though?
1: It all depends on where your focus is. If you have a global focus, certainly the larger banks in this country, as well as larger enterprises that... Are looking beyond national borders, they're definitely seeing the value of this. In fact, it may be a necessity just because of the evolution of the market. But I think some of the smaller players, again, they're going to have to be convinced. The market forces that are going to be motivating that effort, I don't know when that might develop. And that's going to be the major factor that's going to determine this.
0: Well, it sounds like you have a potential business opportunity for some time to come, if I can put it that way.
1: Well, we hope so. We definitely hope so. We support ISO 20022. We put in a new payments network for a CTT pay shop in Portugal, and that's a a SEPA effort. And of course, SEPA is based on ISO 20022. So again, if you're looking beyond the borders, I think it's going to be a requirement, certainly for people like us.
0: And how is your business cross border as opposed to the business in the United States?
1: The bulk of our business is in North America, but when I say North America, I'm including certainly Canada in that. We have a number of Canadian customers. One of our customers is Cuscal in Australia. They're a major portal operator into the Australian NPP, which is their faster payments network. And they're using our software for disputes processing and also doing using it for settlement as well. So we've got that. And I just mentioned the PayShop effort in Portugal, which is our, I guess, our most recent effort, which went in and is doing quite well at the moment.
0: Final thoughts, then. We touched on a number of issues. What's going to be the impact on disputes resolution? Because you talked about this earlier, and about the, the potential for payments being canceled before they've been batch
1: processed. Well, disputes processing, it is a, it's a different breed of cat than disputes processing has historically been. In the case of disputes with say real-time payments, if it's true real-time payment where the initiation of the payment and the actual transfer and settlement takes place within a matter of seconds or or minutes, then it's it's different because the transaction has taken place so quickly. There aren't the same set of standards that are involved in real-time payments as there are in card-based payments. So you have the different payment networks that are kind of evolving their, their own operations as far as how they're processing disputes. The ISO 20022 uh, standard, by the way, provides a methodology where you can, in fact, request return of funds as, in channel as part of the of the standard itself. In some cases, it's you have to go out of standard. But essentially, it boils down to if a payer realizes that he or she has made a mistake in making the payments, depending on the payment network, the recourse is you go to the payment network and they request return of the of the funds. And if the recipient so agrees, then it takes place. And again, ISO 20022 has method for this can be done in band within channel. If the recipient says, well, no, I, I want these funds and I'm not gonna give them back. Some cases, the payment network will work with the originating bank and with the recipient bank that's involved in the transaction with some sort of process that will result in funds being returned or not being returned. Some payment networks said it's not our problem. The payment was made. It wasn't fraudulent. You specified you wanted the money to go to this individual. You specified the amount. We did that. It was successful. If you want to object to the process, then You can do that, but we're not going to be involved in the process. So disputing real-time payments is different.
0: Jack Baldwin, Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of BHMI, thank you very much.